heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Have you ever seen somebody that is just unbelievably envious? That's how they live their life. And then Hebrews 12:15 says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. What I love about that verse is it talks about how bitterness can take root and then it will cause trouble and defile many. But the first part of the verse says, see to it that no one misses the grace of God. And so I think what happens is, is we have a belief, God loves us, you know, we are worthy of his love, and then when it filters through our heart and it causes a bitterness instead of, of, of seeing the grace of God, we will miss the grace of God and let the bitterness take root. And so it's, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root causes trouble and defiles many. Have you ever met somebody whose life is just um, completely torn up by bitterness and they just completely miss the blessings and the grace of God? And so the condition of our heart, you know, that, that continuum from soft-heartedness to hard-heartedness is, it's so important in that journey of faith, of that, of that, that, that moment, that filter of how your heart is defining who you are and who God is. So I'm going to start um, with a story that I love. It's out of Luke, and it's the story of the sinful woman, and that's, that's her name. She doesn't have a name. Her name is the sinful woman. It says, now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And when a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume, and as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of a woman she is, that she's a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay, so he canceled the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? Came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. And then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. 
And the other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And so this is just, to me, I think this, the title, instead of Jesus anointed by the sinful woman, it should be a tale of two hearts. Because we've got Simon, the Pharisee, and then we have the sinful woman. And Simon has invited Jesus to dinner, and probably because at this point, the Pharisees now know who Jesus is. So they have this, like, they know who he is. They've seen what he's done. They kind of have an idea. But they've not believed in him. So they haven't even taken the first step of, of believing in him. And this woman, she must have known about him. She must believed that he, he is who he says he is because she has done what she has done. She's come into a, a house of a Pharisee, which is unbelievable. She had to have been pretty, like, to the point of desperation to be able to show herself into a house of this righteous Pharisee. And so Jesus comes in, and Jesus comes in. The Pharisee invites him over for dinner. I'm thinking the, the Pharisee is kind of testing him to see if he's who he says he is. And Jesus sits down at the table, and so they probably were sitting on the floor, and they sit like this, and so the table is here, and Simon is there. And so it says the woman came in behind Jesus. I get to be Jesus. So he became behind Jesus and began to cry and wash his feet with her tears and pour perfume on his feet while he is engaged in the conversation here. And Simon is thinking to himself, hmm, obviously I was trying to test out if this guy is a prophet or whoever. Obviously he's not a prophet because if he knew who was touching him, he would not be letting this happen. And Jesus, he's thinking this. And Jesus answers him, you know, what do you think about... So he's talking to Simon, and he says, you know, some guy owed 5000 and some guy owed $50. And the man forgave both debts. Who do you think loved him? And he said, well, the guy who owed 5000 And he said, you who loved much. And so he turns to the woman. So Jesus turns to the woman... But he says to Simon, that's what the, the Bible says, he turns to the woman, but he says to Simon, so he's still talking to Simon. She's outside the circle. And he says, do you see this woman? I came into your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears, and she has wiped my feet with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she has not stopped kissing my feet. You gave me no oil for my forehead, and she has poured perfume on me. Therefore, her many sins are forgiven, for she loves much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. And then he says to the woman, 
So I'm thinking Jesus has got his hands on her, and he looks her in the eye, and he says, your sins are forgiven. And then everybody's all a Twitter. Who is this guy who can forgive sins? And he goes on to say, after they're all a Twitter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I mean, can you imagine the intensity in that room and the, the difference that it made in the life of that woman? Can you imagine? That room had to have just been floored. He turns his back on Simon and continues talking to him and just completely uplifts this woman whose heart is broken. So whatever it is that she was carrying in her heart before and whatever it was that she believed about herself before, there was something about the love that she had for Jesus that compelled her in her action to show her love for him. And I want to point out, if you look at Proverbs 7, it talks about the adulterous woman and she goes out into the street and she's, you know, finding men, and she's doing what she does to get the men to come to her. And when he, she finally gets the men to come to her room and commit adultery with her, she pours perfume on her bed. It says, uh, Proverbs 7.15 says, I looked for you, and I have found you. I have covered my bed with colored linen from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. And I believe that is what she poured on Jesus' feet. She poured the tool of her trade, the thing that she needed to do her profession. She dumped it out in sacrifice, turned her life, turned away from her life. And at the extent, like, because she had to put everything, all, all pride, on the line, she complete humility came before Jesus and, and, and anointed him. And I think, I feel like Jesus, he's fighting for this woman. And he is, he is saying, your heart is soft. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Don't live in anxiety anymore. Don't live in stress anymore. But I feel like he's also fighting for Simon. He's trying to tell him the truth. Look, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You gave me no water for my feet. Look at what she's done. You gave me no kiss. She can't stop kissing my feet. You gave me no oil. She just poured out the whole bottle, the whole condensed perfume that could have lasted her a lifetime on my feet. She loves much. Her heart is soft. The condition of her heart is open to everything that Jesus had to offer her. And he said, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, the second story I want to read because it's also, I think, should be titled A Tale of Two Hearts, is um, the prodigal son. Jesus continued, and there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. 
So he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he spent everything there, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, so I want to stop there because if you happen to have your Bibles open or when you get home, I want you to circle senses because this is when he finally, like all five of his senses, when he finally saw, when he finally smelled, when he finally tasted, when he finally heard, when he finally felt, he came to his senses. All his senses became like, oh, crap. This is my circumstance. And so this is what I tell my son when I say, son, you cannot learn everything from experience. You have to learn some things from counsel. So it's like when he finally comes to his senses, and learns it from experience, because that's what experience is. It's what you see, it's what you smell, it's what you taste, it's what you hear, it's what you... So I love that. When he finally came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's... This one's not on. How many of my father's hired men have food to share, and here I am starving to death? I will set out, and I'll go back to my father, and I'm going to say to him, and so I can just imagine him, he's like, memorizing this speech as he's making his way back because he's pretty far away from, he's gone far from home. And you know he's gone far from home because he's feeding pigs and pigs were not near his home because Jews don't touch pigs and they don't eat pigs and they don't feed pigs and they don't take care of them. So he's far from home. So he's practicing this speech. How many of my father's hired men have food to spare and here I am starving to death? He says, I'm going to say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. And so he's just, Father, I have sinned against heaven and, and on you. And uh, make me like one of your hired men. And you're going to see him. He's like, I'm just going to say this. I'm just going to get on my knees. I'm just going to humble myself. And I'm going to beg for mercy. And it says, but... While he was still a long way off, his father saw him, and he was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, and he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And before he can say the second half of the speech that he memorized, make me one of your hired servants, his father says, Quick! Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead, and he is alive again. He was lost, and he is found. So they began to celebrate. And meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, and so he called one of the servants and asked, What's happening? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has, has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. 
And so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You, you have never given me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But with this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. And the father says, My son... You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so it was pride, first of all, for the younger brother to say, give me my inheritance, and then he just took it, and then he went off and he squandered it. But it was complete humility. The condition of his heart changed, and it was out of desperation. But it, desperation brought him to humility. Desperation softened his heart. Pride of heart comes before the fall. Humility of the heart comes before honor. And the older brother, he was so wrapped up in his own self-righteousness that his heart was hardened to celebrate that his brother, not only had his brother returned, but his brother returned changed. He couldn't see the profound change of heart that had happened to his brother. All he could see was that his brother was being celebrated. All he could see was that the bad behavior was being uh, rewarded. And you could see the father who, who in my eyes in this story is, is, is like God, who loves both of his sons, and he wants both of his sons to have that soft heart, soft heart for each other and soft heart towards God. And, and, and so the, the father in this story is fighting for both sons, and he is celebrating. He got his his son back who was far, far from, far from God, living a life that was so not pleasing to God. And in the meantime, the older son, who is obedient and a hard worker, and he does everything that his father tells him to do, but his heart is hard. His heart is hard for the victory that has happened. This brother of yours was dead, and now he's alive. He was lost, and now he is found. And so I think when you look at the spectrum of, of, the, of the heart, from soft to hard, it's, it's, I feel like Simon the Pharisee had the hardest heart out of everybody in these, these two stories. And then the brother was kind of like middle of the road. You, he probably, he loved his brother, he loved his father, but he was still so absorbed in his self, in his own pain, he couldn't have a soft heart. But then the sinful woman and, and the, the younger son, who's whose lives up to that point had, had been rough, and a lot of it had to do with their own decisions that they made for their life. 
but their hearts were soft. Their hearts were soft towards the forgiveness of, of God. Their hearts were soft towards the understanding of the Father. And so when we, we look at those things that we collect in our hearts, the bitterness or the envy or the pride or, or the betrayals or, the, or, or just the genuine things that just break our hearts, when we can keep our hearts soft towards God, when we can love him and, and, and do whatever it takes to see the world through his eyes, the, the blessings and the honor and the, and the forgiveness that we will receive, it, it knows no bounds. To keep our hearts soft, Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. So that thought of, you know, we know something, and then we believe it, we believe it in our mind, and then if we can believe it in our soft heart, if it could be filtered by God's love, it could be filtered by how God sees us, and then our actions will show our actions will show the condition of our heart. You could see the condition of Simon's heart is hard. He is testing Jesus. He did not treat him with the kind of hospitality that you would normally treat a guest in your home. He's, he's judging everything that Jesus says and does. And then when Jesus lets the woman touch his feet, he says, well, obviously, he's not as righteous as me. And so he's just got this hard heart. And even Jesus, when he's talking to him, you know, do you see this woman? Do you see her? Look at her. And, and, and I felt like this was very soft, a soft confrontation of Jesus. Because when you look at him, like in, I think it's Matthew 24, where he says, Woe to you, Pharisees, you vipers, you whitewashed tombs you I mean he's got some strong words for them usually when they're acting self-righteous and full of themselves but here he was soft he was trying to see, get Simon to see the truth he was trying to get Simon to understand himself that self-righteous that that whole I'm better than others is it, it's a hard heart and then the brother you know, the son of yours who squandered your money with prostitutes. And he's like, no, it's a brother of yours. Be happy. It's like they're fighting. They're fighting for their hearts. And, and God, I believe, every day fights for your heart to be soft, soft towards him, soft for his, his will for you in your life, for his purpose in your life. And when we let the hard things, the sad things, the, the broken-hearted things affect our hearts to the point where we, we cannot accept the good things from God. We are, far, we are far from God, even though we believe we are not. And Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. 
And that's a good one, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. That's a good one to memorize. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding because sometimes your understanding is not a correct understanding. So don't lean on your understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. And I'm going to close with the, the, the verse that I have used in lots of weddings, but it's actually, it's from 1 Corinthians 13, it's the love verse, but it's actually Paul's letter the Corinthians are having a hard time understanding this, this whole thing about grace and mercy and humility and um, putting away bitterness, putting away envy. They're trying to understand how to live this life that they have been called to live. And so he says, and now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels... But have not love. I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I have nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and I surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Because love is patient, and love is kind. It does not envy, and it does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. And I feel like we can love like this when our hearts are soft towards what God has called for us. We can be patient and kind and not envious and not boastful and not proud, not rude, not self-seeking, not easily angered. And we keep no record of wrongs. We don't delight in evil, but we rejoice with the truth. We always protect, we always trust, we always hope, and we always persevere. Because when you have a soft heart and you love like Jesus, love never fails.